Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And, of course, we have special guest Jeff Byers coming in a little bit later today in quarter number four. Going to talk wrestling. What a great week to talk wrestling. How about it, Dusty? Big wins over Michigan and Michigan State and Iowa coming up. Got to talk yeah. wrestling, right? Yeah, huge. And and Bryce Jordan Center, my first match at Bryce Jordan Center on, on Friday uh, against Michigan. And what an incredible incredible performance, first of all. But... That is a really cool scene, and a lot of people who kind of know Penn State wrestling through and through and how to anticipate and, and when to get excited. Like, it's, it's a, a smart crowd, and it was a really cool atmosphere that we'll see again Friday night against Iowa. I definitely looking forward to that. But first, we've got three segments talking football, and we're going to do something a little bit different today, Dustin. We're going to play a game called Better or Worse. We are going to look at every position group on the Penn State roster, and you are going to tell us whether they're going to be better or worse in the 2023 season, and then I'm going to tell you whether you were right or wrong. How's that? (laughs) I I, I love uh, the judge and jury at the ends of these things. Anytime I do a ranking series or determine something like this, we got Judge Jury Jim uh, at, at the end telling me why my opinion's right or wrong. I love it. That is what I'm here for, Dusty, and you could count on it. If I'm right and you're wrong, ultimately, those are the ones I will remember a year from now. Let's get right to it. Let's start, obviously, where everything starts, and that's at quarterback. Real interesting transition going on. You got the four-year starter, six years on campus, Sean Clifford being replaced by the hotshot five-star Going to be true sophomore in the 23 season. They're going to be better or worse at quarterback, Dusty. This is a really interesting conversation. And I think you have to kind of start with what you don't know and what the coaching staff said and what teammates say about what Sean Clifford did game weeks, what he did in terms of checking out of plays, checking into plays, being an extension of the coaching staff. There are certain things that only a four-year starter is able to do it at a certain level. And Penn State's going to lose that, and they're going to miss that. But on the flip side, I think you have somebody who's got not just a lot more arm talent. Like, let's just call a spade a spade on that one. Drew Aller, a lot more talent for the position uh, than Sean Clifford did, even you know, even at, at the same stage of his career. So you have an upgrade in the physical stuff. You have likely a downgrade in the – well, certainly in, in experience you do – but likely a downgrade in the IQ at the position. But, you know, I think the thing that that makes this for me and why I'm going to say Penn State is in better position at quarterback in 2023, I mean, a couple things. First of all, I think we saw enough of Drew Aller last season to know that he had kind of an uncommon presence for a true freshman. Very poised, right out of the gates, uh, starts the second half against Purdue, and looks like he's just playing it in a scrimmage. Like, that's not something that you teach necessarily. That's something that you either have or you do not have. And I think 
certainly at the same stage of his career, Aller had a lot more of that this season than Sean Clifford did uh, when we first saw him. So I think in terms of composure and stuff like that, Drew Aller is in a really good position. I think he understands the position well, how to climb the pocket. We saw him do things with his footwork and navigating bodies around him. Again, in brief playing time, not always competitive situations, but I think we've seen just he gets it. And the fact that he gets it and the fact that he's got that arm talent and the fact that um, he's going to be able to do things vertically or at least threaten vertically enough that defenses are going to have to adjust to that creates some advantages for the Penn State offense that they didn't really have last season because they didn't have really hardly any success in the deep vertical passing game with Sean Clifford. It's just something that Drew Aller brings to the table that, that Sean Clifford does not. And I don't think, you know, like he, they're going to miss his, uh, Sean Clifford's experience a little bit, but I think we've seen enough of, of Drew Aller to think that it's not going to hurt as much as you might think. So you're saying it's going to be better in 23. I am saying it's going to be better in 23. I, I agree with you. And I, did, I think there's no doubt there's more upside. There's a possibility of downside, but I'm going to temper that with Andy Shea and I had a show where a fan uh, wrote in a listener asking about comparing Drew Aller with Christian Hackenberg, Anthony Morelli. Essentially, why should we have more confidence in Aller? And I think the difference is in that short uh try out on the field in 22 we saw enough poise from Drew Aller and I'll give you one more thing that I've made note of this before remember watching Drew Aller in the spring and we said boy he's not ready this was a guy who improved a lot from the spring to the fall and our good friend T Frank he talked about the difference he had between his junior year and senior year and how much he improved. My point being, he's a coachable kid, and he's improving. And I think that's what we'll continue to see with him. So I'm with you on that one. All right, one more point there, Dusty. Go ahead. Let's just compare those guys to pitchers, where I think Christian Hackenberg and Anthony Morelli were fastball pitchers. Where I think Drew Aller's got a th- a three a three pitch arsenal. Like I think he, he I think he can navigate the pocket. I think he he can throw with touch and he can, he can throw with power. He's not just a a big arm that impresses in shorts and shoulder pads. I think I think he gets the game and I think he understands the game better than both of those guys did. With all due respect to them, as a huge baseball guy, Dusty, I appreciate the analogy and I'll take it one step further. Those other two guys, they're throwers. Drew Aller's a pitcher. Yep. All right, let's move on. Let's get to that running back position. Exciting. We had Nicholas Singleton, Katron Allen as a true freshman. They lit it up. We going to see even better next year, Dusty? I, I am going to say better. And um, really, it, it just kind of comes down to me. Uh, whole offseason, uh, you, you're going to feature those guys right out of the gates. Uh, it didn't take Penn State long to really get to them in the first place. But I thought in particular, um, like I thought Katron Allen, his feel for the position showed up immediately. I thought Nick, Nicholas Singleton, I thought it took a little bit of time for him to diversify what he can and can't do and, and, the, and the types of runs that he was able to break for big ones. It changed over the course of the season. And just to, to boil it down in simplest terms, you know, like early on it kind of was – Katron Allen had more success inside. 
Nick Singleton had more success outside, and you saw Singleton not really um, navigating uh, the crowded box um, all that great at the beginning stages. But I think around the midway point of the season, he really broke free, and that wasn't a liability anymore. You saw him make huge strides, and that one-two punch is going to be there all season long. The best version of Nicholas Singleton is still going to get better, but you're going to have that for every game of the season. The thing that just does make me a little bit nervous, and it made me a little bit nervous in 2022, I thought there's some good fortune having both of those guys hold up and be healthy for an entire season. You don't have any proven depth whatsoever behind them now. You know, seeing Devin Ford opt to, to step away from the football team and likely transfer, uh, Kevon Lee this past, you know, this offseason opting to transfer, Keziah Holmes uh, left. You know, it, it has taken its toll on the depth chart, and you're able to mask some things when you have that one-two punch, but what happens if there's an injury? You know, where does Penn State stand if there would be an injury for one of these two guys? But I do, I will still say better. I'm not going to forecast an injury. I'm not going to, you know, wish that negativity upon anybody. But it is something to watch when it comes to depth. But bo- to have both of these guys a year better, a year bigger, faster, you know, more experienced, I think that, that, that position is going to be even better. And the coaches are going to know it and recognize it, you know, quicker or earlier in the season. So I think they're going to be ready to ride these guys right out of the gates. I'm with you also on this one. Fingers crossed, though, for health, especially at the running back position, Dusty. They're fortunate to have two running backs play the entire year without any injury issues. What I will throw out there, though, which is good for the health, that they each had about 160 carries during this season. And I checked on this just for comparison's sake. What is a normal load for a stud running back? Do you know what the numbers are for, like, Bijan Robinson or Blake Corum from Michigan, how many carries they had? I would imagine those guys were in the 220 to 250 range. You're, you're close. Bijan Robinson had 258 carries, Blake Corum 247, and Ibrahim from Minnesota had 320 carries. He literally had twice as many carries as either Singleton – or um, Catron Allen, thank you. (laughs) But uh, that helps them stay healthy. They're not beat up quite as much, and I think that's that's a big deal. I'd expect a similar split, too, next season. Yes. I I wouldn't expect that split to change a whole lot. Exactly. Neither one of them is is going to get that 200-plus carries and perhaps even wear down from that. And you just don't have as many opportunities to get hurt if you you don't have uh, the same number of carries. Let's hit the tight end position before we finish up here, Dustin. Bretton Strange had a huge year. He's gone. Theo Johnson back. Tyler Warren back. What do you see? Uh, I'm going to call it worse. Um, And I think, to me, it's a little bit more about uncertainty than anything. You know, there, there wasn't a more certain tight end on Penn State's roster than Brenton Strange, as both a blocker and as a receiver. Um, Theo Johnson, I think, is a better NFL prospect. He's got a higher upside, but we still need to see the best of Theo Johnson. So I'm not going to assume that right out of the gates. I do think Tyler Warren, as a number two tight end, is going to uh, make use of the extra reps that he sees. And then the other piece of uncertainty is just, you know, what's the, what does that third tight end look like? You know, for two seasons, you've had that three-man effort there. You've seen Penn State leverage that. You saw them at, have that jumbo package where these guys are on the field. 
you know, I'm not sure if that exact dynamic is going to be in play. Not that the Penn State coaching staff wouldn't adjust accordingly, but, you know, between Theo Johnson making the jump to the to the number one tight end role, needing to stay healthy in order to make the most of that, and trying to figure out, you know, is Khalil Dinkins um, as good a number three as they've had in the past? You know, those, those are questions that I think Penn State still needs to answer. I think uh, I'm going to say worse, but there's more variation in the outcomes. Like, there is potential. The ceiling is higher, but, um, but I think they need to figure those things out. I'm glad you mentioned the ceiling being higher because that's my thought on this, too. I think Theo Johnson, he, he's an NFL tight end. I think he has more capability even than uh, Brenton Strange. Tyler Warren, could, I think, could be special. He only had 10 receptions on the season which is not nearly enough. I think between those two guys, I think we're going to see even better production from the tight end position. Okay, we're not done playing better or worse. Stick around. We got more in quarter number two. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. It's quarter number two of our show. Brought to you by the 409TailgateClub.com. Great stuff. Dusty and I could attest to it. Great barbecue sauces, great Bloody Mary mix, great barbecue rubs, and now the new coffee barbecue rubs. All of them fantastic products, and you want to check them out? Go to 409tailgateclub.com. You won't regret it. Trust me on that one. All right, Dusty. We've been going through the offense going through the position groups, deciding better or worse going into the 23 season. I'm really interested in what you're going to have to say about the wide receivers. This is the one that had the most activity during the offseason. Mitchell Tinsley, of course, moving on. Parker Washington decided to make the jump to the NFL. 
Two transfer portal guys recently coming in, Dante Cephas and Malik McLean. Got to hear it. Is this gonna group going to actually be better next year than it was in 22? I talked myself into it. I, I, I'm going to say better in 2023. And, you know, to me it comes down to a couple things. Number one, you know, Mitchell Tinsley, really nice player, hugely productive at Western Kentucky. Just didn't see a lot of explosion from him. Like, I, I don't think you really ever went into a game thinking that Mitchell Tinsley's going to break a big play. You know, he, he's, he's a nice player, but I, I don't know that he's a tester per se. And I'm happy to admit if I'm wrong, if he goes to the combine or at pro day or whatever and tests through through the roof. But he wasn't a guy that you expected to, to make a big play. He was just a really um, reliable guy. And uh, you don't you're going to miss that dynamic some. And then on the Parker Washington front, I thought he was criminally used at, at times this year. You know, he is a special talent. I will, I will, I will stand by that all day, every day. You know, I know he's not the biggest guy, but he plays bigger. He's got, uh, he's got leap. He can run. He can make plays after the catch. Uh, I thought he was a guy that you needed to force feed and Penn state didn't force feed him really at all this season. So I think between the usage of Parker Washington and the lack of explosion from Mitchell Tinsley, there's room to actually exceed expectations. And now, you know, if, if we would have talked about this 10 days ago, say, I, I wouldn't be in this boat for sure. But I really like Dante Cephas. Um, every program in America like Dante Cephas coming from Kent State. And Malik McLean is, uh, you know, 6'4", 220 pounds, and he can run. You know, you think about, like, Saeed Blacknall or somebody like that. I mean, that that type of athletic profile. And whenever I saw any, even when it was in the speculation stage um, that Malik McLean was going to leave Florida State, he was going to go to Penn State, everybody who was in the threads on Twitter or wherever was saying Penn State's getting a good one. He's a good player. Penn State's getting a good one. You know, I think he just wasn't used all that much, so the production's not there, and there are questions about, you know, how productive can he really be. But at the very least, you get a big, physical, fast presence who, you know, from what I understand um, from his scouting report, is a really, really good blocker, which the Penn State coaching staff is going to love about him. So I think both of those guys are, are probably one and two in the packing order. And I think when it comes to talent, it's probably, you know, I think Washington and Tinsley might have them there. But, you know, you also have to factor in, okay, they're going to make a change at wide receiver coach. And maybe, maybe that unlocks something a little bit more in 2023. And then for, from there, I also like, you know, Keandre Lambert-Smith. I think he was – I wouldn't have felt comfortable with him as being a number one wide receiver. Uh, I thought as a number two maybe. But him back in the role – and he keeps finding himself in this role four years in a row, really, as the third wide receiver – um, I think he can do something there. I, I like him in that role. And then you have Harrison Wallace, probably the fourth wide receiver. You got Caden Saunders and a bunch of these young guys. This really just slots everybody into positions where they can be really good for what their role is going to be. So I think, you know, getting these two transfer guys changes the complexion of the depth chart and uh, changes it in a, in a very positive way all the way down. It trickles down to everybody. Um, so I, I, I'm going to say better. Um, and I think that's you're going to look at this from a usage standpoint. And I think, you know, with the offense, I think you're going to cr- try to create more big plays down the field. And you've got wide receivers who can do that. Dusty, I think that Drew Aller is going to be part of the variables here, obviously, for the wide receivers and the ability to hit the deep ball that Drew Aller has will help the receivers. 
I'm optimistic about the two transfer guys coming in. I'm hopeful that someone among the young guys, whether it's Caden Saunders or Liam Clifford or somebody is going to make that step. I'm just still a little bit leery when you take your two best receivers out of there. Keandre Lambert-Smith is your most veteran player, most experienced, most catches coming into the season. I guess I'm, I just feel a little bit the opposite than you do between the tight ends and wide receivers. I am concerned at wide receiver. I really am until we see some development. And the two guys coming in in the portal, somehow I'm just not quite as confident as I was with Tinsley coming in. Maybe it's just the numbers that he put up in Western Kentucky. We'll see on that one. Another really fascinating position, we'll have one more on the offense, and that's the offensive line, Dusty. A couple losses, Juice Scruggs out at center, Bryce Effner, sometime starter at right tackle, he's gone. But everybody else coming back, dare I say there's actually going to be some depth even at the offensive line in 23. It's, It's one of the silver linings for how 2022 went. Uh, and, and this group, such a, a big mark of progress in that they were able to withstand a few injuries and still put a pretty good unit out there. It's something that I'm not sure any other James Franklin offensive line could have said um, prior to last season. So you saw, you know, Olu Fashionu go down. You saw Atlanta Tangwall go down. Caden Wallace go down at certain points. And you saw, you know, a guy like Drew Shelton for starters. Hunter Norzad, um, you know, jumped into a, a full-time starter job. It helped develop this depth for the future. And you look at it, you know, Fashion who coming back at left tackle, even though he might have been a top 10 pick in the draft, decided to come back because he thinks this team has championship potential. That's part of the equation. Uh, and, and it's a really a big help. Um, I think Lane and Tangwall, it looks like with the emergence of Drew Shelton, that Tangwall might be able to stick in the interior uh, for, for now. I thought there might be, they maybe they entertain moving him to right tackle or something. Uh, but also with Drew Shelton, you know, if, if they're big believers in what Drew can do, would they finally, in my viewpoint, make the move to bump Caden Wallace inside? Can you upgrade inside by having Drew Shelton um, do that? So that'll be a really interesting thing to watch in the offseason is, you know, are all these guys going to be slotted right where they were before? Or will there be maybe some guys who, who move around to find the best combination of five? And then I also really feel like when in, in the depth department, you have some guys who are still maybe capable of, of making a year four type leap. Uh, but you also have uh, a freshman interior guy in Alex Birchmeyer in the 23 class and then a tackle in Javen Williams, who's incredibly athletic, who I think can be year one players just like Drew Shelton was if Penn State needs them to be. So you're going to have a little pressure from below them in the depth chart. Uh, too. So I think the competition will be there. I think the depth is there. And I think you've got a bunch of established pieces coming back. It's a pretty good formula. Uh, I think you kind of assume that there's no issue with Hunter Norzad moving to center with Juice Scruggs now gone. If that, if that transition goes well, Penn State's actually got some good options there. So I, th- I think better, better is my verdict. I, I'm with you on that. Having a healthy Fashionu and Tangwall. I think Tangwall was kind of nicked up all year. It just took to the end of the season before he was actually sitting out. But those two guys anchoring the left side, 
And the other point being, it's Fashion Nuke deciding to come back and underrated this Hunter Norzad and his ability to move to center. Otherwise, the Juice Scruggs moving on would have hurt so much more without Hunter Norzad coming back. A lot of good things happened for 23 to be a banner year for the offensive line. All right, let's hit the defense. Let's start at defensive tackle. The big news there is P.J. Mustafer is gone. He's really their only guy who profiled as that one-technique monster in the middle, Dusty. That's what concerns me there. Yeah, I, I don't see anybody on the roster right now who can replace what he did. Um, and you're looking at, you know, when you say monster, you know, you, you got big bodies and you've got quick defensive tackles. It's pretty rare when you got a 6'4", 330-pounder who, who moves as well as uh, P.J. Mustafer. So that's going to be hard to replace. And I think that's going to be a group effort to try to replace that. I'm just not positive that you're that, that an upgrade is possible. I think a best-case scenario really involves Penn State holding the line at defensive tackle. I still think there's growth to be made for several guys at the position. I really like Keziah Izzard, uh, and I think that there's still plenty more out there for him to, to reach in terms of his potential. Same thing can be said about Zane Durant. You know, I think he was somebody that uh, got hyped up, and then somehow, some way, mid to late part of the season, James Franklin made the case that he wasn't being talked about enough. Well, I mean, yeah, he was being talked about enough. He just he just was never put in a position to be in prime time because they had a bunch of experienced guys. Uh, you, you have Hakeem Beeman and Devon Ellis. I mean, this is a good group of guys. Uh, and, and there is some upside. You know, I, I circle Keziah Izzard and, and uh, Zane Durant. And by the way, to refresh our topic from last week, Devon Townley is now listed officially as a defensive tackle on Penn State's roster. He did not have a position whenever they updated it last week. He's now got dimensions. Where I think I think it's 6'6", 267, something like that, are his dimensions. So he's going to be a unique guy, too. I like this group, but I don't see them being better than last year. I'm going to say worse. Uh, I, I think this is... A position, you know, barring if Zane Durant has a monster breakout, it changes things. Uh, if Kaziah Kaz, Izzard has a monster breakout, uh, that that changes things. But barring these exponential leaps from these guys, I just don't see how they're not worse than they were last year. Still pretty good, but losing PJ Mustafer is just a it's a tough pill to swallow. My only concern there, I do think they're going to be deeper. I think. These guys are going to mature, going to be better. People like uh, Vandenberg will be better. Zane Durant will be better. My big concern, though, is just the size. There's nobody. Caleb Artis is the only tackle now who is listed as over 300 pounds. So could Keziah Izzard or Vandenberg, one of these guys who are, say, in their 290s, could they put on the bulk? Could they be that guy, turn into that guy? I'm not sure that's the case. I like the overall group. It's just that missing element there. All right, Dusty, that's it for quarter number two. We're going to finish up with the defense in quarter number three. Stay tuned. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. He's Dustin. I'm Jim. We are talking better or worse. We're going through the entire team, position groups. We're deciding or Dusty's deciding, and then I'm telling him whether he's right or wrong, is that position group going to be better or worse come the 23 season? We went through the offense. We got through defensive tackle. Let's hit the defensive ends. I'm just going to say, Dusty, they're going to be really good. They are going to be really good, and I, and I think right off the bat, better than, than last season. You know, Adisa Isaac making his comeback from, from missing 2021 to injury you know, his second year back from that injury should be a lot better than his first year. Um, Chop Robinson was still making a bit of a transition coming from Maryland to Penn State, you know, on multiple fronts. Uh, I think he, he went, I think he was the highest graded defensive end in America by Pro Football Focus. So if that tells you what he's capable of doing. And then denied Dennis Sutton, you know, not that he had a quiet season per se, but he didn't have a lot of spotlight time against. Uh, number ones. Like, I think we saw him, you know, he had three sacks in the, in the second half of a game that was lops, lopsided. So I think, you know, his, his abilities, I think, are still just a little bit underappreciated because we haven't seen it uh, early in games or whatever. So that, that trio right there, uh, I'll tell you, man, it's going to be hard to think of, you know, many defenses in the country that have better edge rushers than that group of three right there. Uh, Nick Tarburton decided to, to, to move on. He's going to pursue the next chapter in his career. Um, Smith Vilbert, who we didn't see hardly at all last season, I assume he's going to be back in action. Uh, he was a guy that we had last seen really wreaking havoc in, in the bowl game at the end of 2021. I mean, Vanover, I thought was a pretty quality player um, with the opportunities he got last season. And Zariah Fisher is coming back. So, you know, from top to bottom, this group, 
even when you look at the the next tier of depth with Smith, Vilbert, and Amin Vanover, Zariah Fisher, boy, that is a really, really impressive group. And I think they're going to be productive. I think they're going to pressure quarterbacks. I think they're going to change opponents' game plans. All the things that we saw from them this past season, I think they can take that and add another layer, layer to it. So I think without question, no disrespect to, to Nick Tarburton, but you know that group of three taking another step collectively together, uh, that's going to be a dominant group. No doubt. The big three, Robinson, Isaac, Dennis Sutton. But again, no disrespect to Nick Tarburton, but if with him out making up for those snaps are Smith Vilber, Zariah Fisher back from injury, Amin Vanover, they're not going to lose anything. I'm excited about that group. Speaking of exciting, let's talk linebacker. And all I'm going to mention, Dusty, is remember how we felt a year ago going into the season. How much difference did this year make? I mean, confidence level at this position has changed dramatically. Uh, we didn't know who the middle linebacker was going to be. Uh, no disrespect to Tyler Elsden. Uh, there wasn't a lot of excitement about the prospect of, of him, you know, holding it down in the middle. He did a pretty nice job. I think Kobe King might be the starter there next year. Uh, the way that he played late in 2022, he'll go into the offseason with a full head of steam. So that's part of it. But the bigger parts are Curtis Jacobs coming back. Um, I think he can help himself with the NFL draft uh, by having another big year. But, you know, really having a full season of Abdul Carter wreaking havoc from his spot at linebacker, you know, changes everything. At this time last year, we, you know, I, and I think we expressed some excitement over Abdul Carter because, you know, 6'4", 235, uh, plays downhill, plays physical. It's easy to get excited about his high school film. Well, then you look at what he did and, and you have, you know, really an All-America candidate there. You have two guys, I mean, reasonably Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter are both All-America candidates uh, if they play to the the best of their ability. So that group went from a big question mark to now, I think, a big-time strength. You've got depth in the middle. You've got two stars in Jacobs and Abdul Carter. You've got guys behind the scenes. They're going to go young in that next layer of depth. But I really like Keon Wiley. I'm excited about what Tyrese Mills can do, uh, you know, really since making a full transition from safety to linebacker. Uh, the group of linebackers who came in, uh, I think Tamir Robinson and Tony Rojas are both maybe capable of playing some kind of role as true freshmen if Penn State needs that. I think better in all kinds of ways, including being more exciting in that second wave of depth. You know, and, and again, Jonathan Sutherland – very serviceable guy to the program, four-year team captain. Clearly there was a lot of value there, but you're really essentially replacing him with Abdul Carter from the jump in 2023. There's an upgrade right off the bat. And Dusty, it took a, a while for us to realize how good Abdul Carter is and for uh, Manny Diaz to figure out how best to use him. We saw that the second half of the year. We're going to see that from the get-go this year and I'll second a name that you mentioned that you're excited about and that's Keon Wiley keep an eye on him okay Dustin let's look at the DBs let's start with safety you know <laughs> you lost Jaquan Brisker two years ago this year you're losing Jair Brown those are two really 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 good players to lose they managed to get past it when Brisker moved on. Do you feel the same way now with Jair Brown moving on? 
I think they'll get past it fine. But, you know, when you lose to Quan Brisker and you have Jair Brown, who is really, really well positioned to, to break out and become a star, that's one thing. Now, I mean, again, you, now you lose Brown, so you lose both of those guys in, in the span of two years. And now, you know, I like Keaton Ellis and Zachy Wheatley and Jalen Reed and, and those guys, but are, are any of them really in a position to be that type of do-it-all playmaker that both Jair Brown and Jaquan Brisker were? I don't think so. I, I think you're going you're gonna to take a step from dynamic more toward pedestrian. And, and, and that sounds terrible, but you don't really have um, the takeaway skills or the flair for the position that Jair Brown had in those other guys. I think maybe maybe one or two of them bring that and, and bring that out. Now they're, they're going to be asked to do that. But it, it's tough to lose those types of players and back-to-back off seasons and come out of it better at the safety position. I like the depth there. I like the young players there. I like the freshmen coming in quite a bit. King Mack and Dakari Nelson are players that I'm really, really fond of in the 2023 class. And they're going to come in and they're going to pressure immediately from the bottom of the depth chart to try to move upward. And I think that's going to put heat on everybody. But in terms of the, the, the two players they're going to put out there to start games, I know that the lines get blurred you know, early in, in games, but the two best safeties that Penn State has, no question that they're not going to be as good without Jair Brown there. Uh, love the depth. Thinks that I, I think the world of Zachy Wheatley in, in particular, and he can maybe um, replace some of what Jair Brown brought, but you can't lose him and I think be better at the position. I think it's a similar conversation to defensive tackle where you can, I, I like the depth, I like the players there. But it's just hard to replace what you lost. As such a huge fan of both Brisker and Brown, I get what you're saying, and I have to agree. But I will tell you, very, very underrated, I think, that Keaton Ellis is coming back, Dusty. I think that got overlooked during the season because it gives them that absolute veteran presence back there. And then you have the exciting players, Jalen Reeds, Akee Wheatley, and you have the depth. I'm with you. I definitely think they're going to be okay there. I think they'll actually be very good there. But with Jair Brown, they were great back there. Speaking of losing a great player, we got to go to cornerback. And Joey Porter Jr. is the guy who has moved on, Dusty. How does that affect them as a group? Uh, I think they're not going to be a- as good. And and this is this is... Again, like I think we talked about with with wide receiver, you know, it's such an interesting position because when you remove the 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 top guy on the depth chart, now everybody's moving up a rung. You you figure everybody's moving up a rung. The the top rung, no question, Kalen King is a worthy number one cornerback. He showed that in the time that Joey Porter Jr. missed in 2022. No issue with that at all. But then you, you start to get into two, three, four, five, you know, those spots on the depth chart, and you start to get a little bit more uncertain, especially when you factor in Marquise Wilson entering the transfer portal as well. Uh, really like Johnny Dixon, really like Daquan Hardy, but then you have just some question marks, you know. Storm Duck coming in from North Carolina, similar resume, I think, to what Johnny Dixon had at South Carolina when he came in. So you figure Storm Duck is going to be involved there. 
I, I think Cam Miller burned his red shirt last year for a reason. I think he should be ready for a bigger role. Uh, and then you got some freshmen who are presumably starting at cornerback, Lamont Payne, Elliott Washington, Zion Tracy. Um, but, you know, I, ju- I just don't know so much about what's beyond the top three guys there. And, and for that reason, I think they're going to be slightly worse. Not to mention the fact that if Joey Porter Jr. is in your lineup and Kalen King's your number two, it's just hard to do better than that in the first place. So I think this is another position where they're not in bad shape by any means at all. Kalen King is going to be a legitimate star in 2023, probably to the point where he's he thinks long and hard about leaving for the NFL draft. Uh, so no question there. Johnny Dixon had a great 2022. I think you can rely on him to be a very, very good starter as the number two guy. Daquan Hardy, you know, great in that slot position. Then I think just the rest of the depth chart and their their desire to play five, six guys, you know, they're going to have to find, you know, numbers four, five, and six. I think there are some decent options there. But you, anytime you lose Joey Porter Jr. at the top, uh, it's just hard to be better than that. Uh, next year. So I think it's not, it's not going to be by a huge margin by any means, but I think there's just going to be a little bit less dynamic at cornerback in 2023. I could see there being an issue. You can't lose a Joey Porter Jr. without being affected, but I love, you know, a guy of the quality of Storm Duck coming in. I really like what Johnny Dixon did. And, you know, I, I think they are still like three or four deep at cornerback already. And then you have a Cam Miller, who I think they like, taking that next step. I still think they're going to be in pretty good shape. Real quickly, the two offensive coordinators, I know that doesn't change, but I think they both showed improvement over the course of the season. I think those two returning, they will both be better for the full season next year. Yeah, I think they I think they became much more intimately aware of what they had and how to use it last season, especially as the course of the season, you know, unfolded. So I think they know their personnel better and they used it better. And I think they'll continue to do that and get more creative and play to their strengths a little bit better. And and that's ultimately kind of what evens out some of these personnel ups and downs is the coaching and how to use that talent will be better. Very good. That's it for quarter number three. I'm gonna be heading out. Because we're talking wrestling in quarter number four with the great Jeff Byers. And oh, by the way, Dusty will be around also. Stay tuned. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club. Here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs. But our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. 
lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back. It's quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. Moving on to Penn State Wrestling, joined by Jeff Byers, who is fresh out of Rec Hall coming off a 34-6 win over Michigan State. Caps a really good weekend, uh, Jeff, that started Friday night, 30-8 over Michigan. Lose the first one in that one, then you win eight straight, and then a, a little bit of a you know disappointing way to finish it, I suppose, with Greg Kirkfleet losing to Mason Paris. Mason Paris earned that match, outlasted him. But, you know, all, all said and done, uh, kind of what you would expect from Penn State, uh, I don't know if I would have expected 30 to eight over the number four team in America. Uh, but actually the first thing I want to ask you about is Gary Steen, Jeff. Um, this kid's been catching a lot of flack from a lot of people and a lot. I've heard more and more on, you know, Facebook pages and stuff like that, how Penn State should forfeit 125. Then this kid goes out there and he beats the number 24 kid in the country in overtime against Michigan State. On a human level, I want to know what you think about that. Just the kid who battles and, and puts his head down and, uh, and and kind of breaks through. And then on the, the follow-up is that what can that do for him in the weeks to come? Yeah, I'm really excited and uh, and hopeful for what it may mean for the, the future for Gary. Uh, but you're right. Listen, I, the, one of the things, and I've talked about this with a number of people over the years, is... In fact, we talked about it with David Taylor after uh, when he was making the move up uh, in freestyle. Uh, we had a long conversation about just uh, you know the the mindset that you have to have when you have setbacks. And listen, David Taylor works his tail off, always has, always will. But it is a little easier to work your tail off when you work hard, get a result. Work hard, get a result. Work hard, get a championship. Work hard, get another championship. Right? Like, there, there's... Okay, yeah, I'll put in the hard work because I see the, the payoff. It is a lot more difficult when you are working your tail off, and Gary Steen has been working his tail off, making a lot of adjustments, not just with his wrestling, but... Uh, and he talked about it on our post-match interview today with his lifestyle just... Uh, getting some things uh, adjusted with his diet and, and being a little more conscientious about what it is he puts in, in his body and when he does it, uh, you know, during the course of the week and, and everything like that. And listen, he's a little undersized, uh, I think truthfully, for, for 125, and that's been part of the change in diet is, hey, we got to get a little bit more uh, bulk to you, uh, good bulk. And... It was really rewarding to see him go out and get the the win on Sunday because, again, he has been putting in an awful lot of work. And the coaches will tell you (laughs) that there has been improvement and the results haven't been there. But you can see the things that he's working on during the week and the things they're trying to prepare for for individual matches, 
a lot of it is there, and then you know there are mistakes made, and he's been up against some really good opponents uh, throughout the season as well. But yeah, it was just it was really nice and fun uh, to watch Gary get the win, to, to see Rec Hall react the way it did, coming to their feet, and uh, you know that's a, a special win, and I think it uh, does give some a, a confidence boost to him. Again, I don't know necessarily he's going to get to the NCAA tournament or get on the podium or anything like that. But I think now, you know, he has that win to go back on and say, listen, I, I know I can compete with guys that are going to the NCAA tournament. I know I can beat uh, Lujan's going to end up going to the NCAA tournament. He's going to be a top 32 guy uh, by the end of the year. And, you know, again, if Steen can beat him, I, I think, you know, there's at least uh, probably 10 to 15 other guys that are ranked that he's capable of beating uh, on a given day. So uh, it was uh, really big and just, uh, again, just a special moment, if nothing else, for Gary Steen on Sunday. And I know, you know, some of those message board posters, their mind isn't going to change over something like this. But I do think, you know, first of all, I, I think a lot of people, when you're talking about a duel like Michigan State, you're, you're probably there's a lot of people probably saying, well, the only one we're going to lose is 125. And then right off the bat kind of flips that narrative on its ear. And I, you know, I've, I, I talked to Gary before when he was in high school and really nice and honest and blue collar in the way that he does things. And, me, you know, me, too, on a human level, I, I'd like to see a kid like this just get just take it on the chin again and again and again and experience some success to propel him forward. The other um, big story. To, to monitor now coming out of the weekend, and I'm sure you know what I'm going to ask about, is Levi Haynes in the red shirt. So Michigan on Friday, huge one. We talked about this one um, uh, last week on the show. Uh, not a big surprise, I think, that he beat Will Luan, and he gutted that thing out. I mean, he scrapped. He fought Will Luan off of him several times late in that one. Then he gets the takedown in overtime. Kind of said afterwards he just, he just decided he wasn't going to be denied, and then he wasn't denied. That was his fourth appearance, and so now the deci- it's decision time officially for the Penn State staff. And I'm sure, uh, well, first of all, him not appearing against Michigan State, Terrell Barraclaw gets the start there, feeds into that conversation. But I, I still cannot imagine that Penn State can see him and the way that he's improved from the start of the year to now, can see that he uh, was legitimately better than Will Luan. Uh, on Friday night, you know, a, a battle-tested, you know, All-America candidate and and still think that you're going to redshirt him. Uh, that's where I'm coming from. I think I know a lot of people are also thinking the same thing. What do you think about this situation? Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking much along the same lines. I, I will say I think the conversation this week, and I think part of why uh, – I, I think there were several factors that went into the decision to wrestle Barraclaw on Sunday – one is to not rush into to the ultimate decision that has to be made. And obviously, I, we're going to know by who comes out Friday night, um, this coming Friday, who, who the starter will be uh, the rest of the season, injuries notwithstanding. But so I think part of it was a little bit of gamesmanship and let's keep Iowa guessing about what we're doing here. But I, I actually really think more so, there were two other things in play. One is they wanted to see where Baraclaw is as well. You, you know now where Levi is and, and his progression. 
and I think they just wanted it to get uh, against a very similar uh, opponent in terms of uh, of rank and, and where he fits in the national picture, uh, where Barraclay is right now. And again, I know he lost a, a tough one late, but I think, um, you know, truthfully, at the end of the day, the fact that he took Saldate right to the end uh, is a, a good indicator uh, that Terrell Barraclay is, is right there as well. Um, but I, and so the other thing is, I think they want to make sure they talk to, to both kids, be fair with them, make sure, you know, both kids are. Uh, understanding and, uh, you know, relatively okay with the the decision uh, made moving forward. And, you know, part of the discussion is Penn State is going to be a heavy favorite to win the national title, regardless of who the starter is at 157. And so part of the discussion, I do think, is, you know, How important is the difference, whatever that difference may be, uh, between Haynes and Barraclay and the potential points that you think you're going to get at the national tournament between them? And the significance that that could have in the team race weighed against, you know, if Levi wrestles this year and, you know, does not win a national title, comes in third or fourth, and then next year takes that next leap and is dominant. You know, are you messing with a kid's chance to win, uh, be a four-time national champion? I don't think that's a predominant thought in terms of the coach's uh, mindset here. uh, Because I think if they pull Levi's red shirt, and I'm, like most people, I think I'm kind of expecting that that is what's going to happen Friday night. It's because they think he can win the national title this year. It's not because they think he can get on the podium, uh, right, when you have a kid of, of this talent. And it, it's not unlike when they pulled Mark Hall's uh, red shirt, uh, his, his freshman campaign. They pulled it because they saw what he was doing in the room and in some of the open tournaments, and they thought, and it worked out obviously fantastically well for them that season, but you saw that, okay, yeah, this guy has a chance to go out and, and compete with the best. Aaron Brooks was much the, the same thing when they made the decision uh, to pull his red shirt. So, you know, I think I think after watching him get the win over Lawan, and again, I think Haynes is just going to keep getting better and better. And by the way, I think Barraclaw will too. I, I, I just think at the end of the day, I think Levi Haynes has a chance to be a national champion and be right in the mix. I think Terrell Barraclaw is more likely to be you know, in that round of 12, you know, maybe get on the podium in that six, seven, eight type of spot if, if he continues to, to improve. Uh, and at the end of the day, I just think, yeah, the coaches are, are looking at this and saying, you're always an injury away from things going in a, in a weird direction. And that's the other thing with the kids, too. I was talking with uh, somebody else today after the, the match. You know, Levi wants to wrestle. Terrell wants to wrestle. The kids want to wrestle uh, when they get the chance. The other thing is, though, I, I think you, to go back to my earlier discussion on if you redshirt him and you're giving him a chance to win four titles, but you never know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? Like, I, and I'm certainly not wishing or predicting anything horrible to happen, but injuries, I, I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen. Life happens. Uh, and I think when you start spending too much time on, oh, we're going to try to set this up for future success, 
and worry only about the future and not the, the now, uh, that can screw with people too. Because uh, again, I, we've seen all kinds of, uh, in a sport like wrestling, all kinds of things uh, happen uh, to, to guys over the course of their career. And I, I just think, uh, to me, the, the best thing for both the program uh, and for for Levi is to to go ahead and get him out out here, but again we'll we'll see. I think there will be some long discussions this week before Friday night's uh, ultimate decision. Hey, listen, Jeff, I'm going to give you about 20 seconds for this. Penn State, Iowa. One thing you're watching. Yeah, I think th- th- there's two things that I really want to see is is Penn State's attitude uh, and and kind of what they're able to to match the the Hawkeyes with. Uh, one of the bouts that I'm really curious to see is, is, uh, Bo Bartlett, uh, getting matched up with real woods. I, I just, uh, I really want to see where both of those guys are at this stage of their career against each other. And I think the winner of that bout is going to have uh, a lot of say in who wins the dual meet. Big one coming up Friday night, Penn state, Iowa at Bryce Jordan center. That's Jeff Byers here wrapping things up on the Keystone kickoff show. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new Coffee Barbecue Dry Rub Set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.